Hi, everybody, and welcome to John Hennigan's Old Time Radio Show. So glad you could join us. It's going to be really terrific. We've got some really wacky, zany old records for you tonight. Boy, oh boy. It's, it's going to be a swell time. <laughs> here on the Old Time Radio Show with our um, buddies Ken Romanowski and Pat Conte. Uh, that was the Carter family. And that's they call that When the World's on Fire or Rock of Ages? What do they call that? Same tune, but it's When the World's on Fire that's when they I do thought. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a great one. And it's even a Montgomery Ward, which should make it a little bit less good sounding, but it sounds pretty good to me. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, it works yeah. fine. And of course, it's this land is your land, where Woody Woody took that from. And probably right, yeah. Get, gets my vote that for may, for oh, a yeah, national yeah, anthem that beats the bombs bursting in air. That uh, makes sense. So thanks for having us here, Ken. This you, is you're uh, welcome. My this pleasure. is a real treat for me, and I'm sure for our listeners. Get in here, so many great records that uh, you know. A lot of this, this these gospel records, I was saying to Pat just a minute ago, like. You know, I never really had a great source to listen to them, so this is uh, even extra special treat because so many of these I just haven't heard. 
but it doesn't really matter in the end whether you've heard them or not. Hmm. They're all great. Well, that's the thing. There are so many. So many really, really good performances. So many great groups that just get lost in the shuffle. Of, yeah. Of, I know a lot of collectors seem to kind of move away from it, maybe because of the, the religious lyrics or whatever, but the, the spirit behind, particularly the sanctified stuff, the spirit behind that is... Yeah, it's it, off the charts. It yeah. is. It's, it's The energy level is, is just astounding. I think I had a little bit of that in me when I first started collecting. I wasn't as interested. I think being raised like... Irish Catholic, you know, I had a little bit of well, a yeah, resistance. You shy away from the... Yeah, yeah. It took me a while to uh, just lose all that and just... Right, right. Yeah, well, since this we're on, on that topic, I'm not religious at all, so that, my way of yeah, most approaching religion is through this music. It's almost like, every collector that I've met that, you know, is really into gospel music, none of them are religious. That's yeah, kind yeah. of strange. You'd think there'd be one, like, you know really religious person but i guess uh, real, one has nothing probably to do with the other there. yeah well, really. I, would, I would think they are there are people who collect uh, their music for the spirit of it rather than the, the iconography you know they uh and well you know when i started the first 78s i bought were religious music were they yeah they were gregorian chants i still have them it's a very famous group uh, in the 40s at salem and uh it was, you know, just 12-inch. Now, what made you buy Gregorian chants when you were, what are you, well, like a teenager? A, no, I, was, I wasn't even a teenager. I was younger than that, but but I had been an altar boy, and I oh, had okay. sung in Latin, and, okay. you know, I had to, I had to do... So that was uh, something you identified Do mass in Latin, and, uh, but when I saw them, and they were, you know, a dime each in the Salvation, I always said, oh, this is cool, because, you know, th this is time of Vatican II. Right, so right. it was changing. Yeah, it was away, changing away from uh, high mass. And, and definitely and, taking a lot of the mystery of the whole and, ritual yeah, well, away from I, it. I in, think in the really, that's what turned me around. It blew my mind that uh, we lost uh, that uh, that realm of uh, mystery. Huh. And uh, when I saw the the seventy eights of the, the real chant, I said, "Well, that's got to be cool." <laughs> you know, just to hear it on a on a, some antique. Uh, record you know very little and i still that, have them I still very little of that stuff seems to have made it to to 78 in those days it's, it's, it well it was not not a whole lot i, I mean, mean chant not, not in america but chant more in so Europe, than, yes. than than some of the other things because myself well, uh, being a big fan of flemish polyphony uh, well, no, almost none of that things like that early hmm. chant and polyphony and things like that you'll get a little only been on here. very specialty labels usually import and and uh, were very hard to come by, even if you were really dedicated to looking for. Sure, them. but there sure. would have been examples of stuff on more common labels, uh, just as uh, like parts of sets or surveys. Right, right. There's like always that. the you yeah. know the history of music thing that right, has right. one so chant, the one histoire of you know sunrise. You know, there was a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah, like uh, some palestrina. Something, there. something uh, that was part of a, you no, know, a, no a more Pierre academic collection. You know, huh. there, there. That's how I, I basically started with religious music. The first uh, in the same, in the same Salvation Army, I bought F. W. McGee. Really, uh, with his stripes. My, yeah, with his stripes yeah. over here. That's exactly that was a big right. seller. Well, uh, <laughs> I looked at it and I said, "Well, this, you know." What, Gospel singing with like trumpet and what, you know, whatever it said. I, I brought that home and I just thought that was amazing. McGee claimed that sold over a hundred thousand copies. Well, I don't know about that, but mm -hmm. maybe. You know, some of the. Some I mean, of the if I had it, it certainly had to be common. Oh God! Yeah, how many copies have you seen? Well, I, I've I've seen at I, least ten, ten or twenty copies. I still copies have of it. it again, and that uh, is part of the first, my first introduction to. Uh, 78s and, and seeking out antique recordings. And I'll give you a third example that was religious. I bought the bat in the same place. Probably the same batch. I bought, uh, it said Luke the Drifter. I didn't know who that was. Okay. It said the Battle of Armageddon, which I think is Hank Williams' oh, last record. Huh. Uh, oddly enough, ominously enough. 
and it was just a, a guitar and a vocal and I, I thought that was amazing I said gee this is better than Bob Dylan <laughs> <laughs> how could that be and then it and Bob might approve yeah I, he might agree with me yeah I think he might by the way, that with his stripes, that's that same melody as crucifixion and. Oh, I you know I never connected is. that, but somehow I mentioned it, so maybe I can. See, there's it there's a subconscious. There's a thread yeah. here from week to week. And Ken, what about you? Do you remember finding your first gospel record, or how you got into it? I remember the first seventy eights. Well, outside of children's seventy eights, which I, I grew up with, my little Mickey Mouse player, you know, doing those and. I've yet to relinquish control of what I listen to. I don't like radio in general. I don't like to be forced to, to huh. listen. But That's interesting. the Salvation Army type of stuff or a bookstore where you find a pile of records. There was R&B stuff. There was a Lead Belly. There's a couple of things. And, and I was astonished at the, at the liveness of the, of the records. Right. Gospel, I don't, I don't think I found gospel records in in you know junking in stores like that i got a list and decided i was going to get i'm going to try and get one john hurt one blind willie johnson let's get a couple of pieces of the true cross some relics and <laughs> it, 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 there's no going back it, it, once once yeah. you get drawn in it once you hear them you need more yeah it, it's i'm sure you can don't, don't look at me that way when he said relics <laughs> I was actually just thinking how I actually convinced myself that I was going to buy 178 because I figured, you know, this is just too late to start in this. Oh, you but did the same thing in it. Did in the essence. exact same thing. I, I where bought, were you? <laughs> no, I mean, where, where did you go to look at 78s? Well, at that at that point, I bought a 78 online, and I, I forget it must have been early eBay, I guess. Because I bought the player online. I remember that. It was a high school player. Wow. I, I decided I was going to get a 78 player. That's how I started. I said, and then I'll see what I can find. You, know? you, you don't mean, you mean a, a, like a Cali phone plug-in thing? Or? No, I bought like, um, like it was just a turntable with its own speaker. Yeah. And it said, yeah. you know, on top of it, property is such and such yeah, high yeah. school. And I figured, well, that's, you know, and it had, you could flip the needle over the 78 yeah. stylus was in there. It sounded really good. I actually took it apart one time to clean it, and it had like an Alnico little 6x9 speaker. It sounded good. Anyways, so then I remember that I bought a Memphis Mini, me and my chauffeur, for 10 bucks, and I thought, well, you know, I, I can't spend any more than 10 bucks on a record, because at that point, I was That's collecting L LPs, and, you know, I rarely spent more than $10 on an LP. I had yeah. thousands of LPs. I had every reissue. You know, but I got them in when they were all three five dollars yeah. right most so i said you know it's just it's sick to spend more than ten dollars on a single record yeah. that seemed crazy to me yeah when i as soon as i dropped the needle on that memphis mini record and heard the presence and how it sounded as compared to everything i've been listening to i knew it was over i said i'm done Oh, it is. Yeah, you're you're that much closer to the performances, yeah. that much closer to a live performance. It, it took just me is. a couple of years to really break down. I spent $400 on Gus Cannon. Uh, uh, it was uh, the Bluebird of um, Viola Lee Blues. But it was like E condition, E plus maybe back then. Ah, uh, the downward road. And I thought... <laughs> so so quick, but so I, fast. I convinced myself... Claiming that, another. I convinced myself... Worse than heroin kids. When I had Don't that one, near. I would never need another one. And it was shortly after that I realized how dark the road was going to get. Oh, what a dark road you well, what started. Time, when did you start collecting? I don't know. Probably the first year that ebay came out and when so, is when is that i don't know i don't know what that is, is probably, roughly ebay was a thing that broke me because 18 up in, 15 18 years ago 20 years ago. yeah something like that i'd say 20 uh, years ago between 20? 15 and 20 something like that so in the 90s well i'm 46 so yeah i was in my late 20s when i let huh. go of everything Okay. Yeah, so it's about twenty years. Well, but you ago. started on the decadent side. See, then you started, started right away. Black Rat Swing, and <laughs> Viola Lee, a judge, talking about being arrested and doing time, and uh, you started right away in the dregs of society. Yeah, you went right Look to the that. bottom. Yeah, well, 
in the yeah. Oh, oh, I, <laughs> I've yet to resurface. <laughs> yeah, what can you do? Yeah, there's no coming out of this hole now. No, oh, definitely. I would say you you, you entered at a a pretty difficult time, you know, well, in well, terms you know, of pricing and and you know what the funny thing is crazy. is uh, looking back on it now. It was so much better then. You know, everybody says like, "Oh, you know, I started too late." You talk to Don Kent, he's like, "Oh, you know, if I wanted, I'd started ten years earlier." Oh my know. god! You know, he talks about passing on Skip James records at the Jazz Record yeah, Store yeah. because they were a dollar, and you know, he didn't want to spend more than fifty cents. You know, well, it's kind of all relative, I guess. But <laughs> you know, but yeah, but but I think back. I mean, before like this, what I call the new wave of like country collectors and a few guys are into blues. I mean, when eBay first started, any country record I bid on, I won pretty much. I'm talking like, you know, getting like East Texas Serenaders or Gid Tanners, anything clean for 10 bucks. Amazing. You know, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I look at my country records and I couldn't afford now, every Burnett and Rutherford I have E or E plus, 10 bucks, 10 bucks. And then two guys show up and all of a sudden they're 120 bucks. I'm, I remember when well, that happened. Small, it was a said, small what window. What the hell happened? Small window. Yeah. And even blues, I mean, you know, thank God I got what little I have when I did. Mm. Because when I first started, you could get a V-plus Robert Johnson Terraplane for 500 bucks and I thought that was too much. It, is, it isn't? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. I mean, now, you know. If you had a dozen of those, you could buy a house. Well, when they were $100, I had to think about it. $50. Oh, yeah. But it's all relative. Don't you think, though, the deeper you get into this, the Terraplane Blues recedes somewhat into the background with Patton and Skip James and Gus Cannon and some of the other things to a certain extent. I don't think that's one of his truly great records i mean he Robert has Johnson. greater records than probably that. his second best uh, you think third so best. i really like well, most of the public thought it was his best. well it was his it was his hit that was but his hit i actually really like airplane that's why i mentioned it because it's one of the ones yeah. i regret not getting when i really could have got yeah one. but uh you know i hate to sound like don but you'll see that again well that yeah, was the no, hit of course. Yeah. that was the hit i mean there, i had guess to be a thousand copies pressed at some point my, oh yeah my favorite Robert Johnsons, I guess, would be Hellhound on My Trail, Coming to My Kitchen, Terraplane. Yeah. You know, outside of Terraplane, I I couldn't agree more. On but that's not ones. my favorite. You no, know, but the thing Crossroad is, was the one when I got Crossroad, I didn't care about Robert Johnson. So anymore. yeah, so I have one. your favorite and your favorite. <laughs> oh, nice, good man. <laughs> but the thing both is, both McCunes. As much as like you know, I'm slightly bittered by the you know really kind of non-collectors who have made those prices go ridiculous yeah. at the uh, same time like uh, i look at my blues records and i feel like i have such better records in a way like not that robert yeah. johnson wasn't great but you know i'd much rather have yeah. a lot of the records that i do have is you know if they were all the same price that's, i would probably have three three robert Johnsons. that's kind of the point i, I was <laughs> trying to make is that there's a lot of records out there and there's a lot of unknown or relatively unknown records out there that are still very affordable, and oh, the yeah. music is equal in a lot of ways, or oh, very yeah. close. <laughs> it's kind of hard to one evaluate of the, it. One of the times we were over, me and Bob with Don, he played a Robert Johnson. He says, "Yeah, I'm trading that though." And I says, "What could you possibly trade that for? You know, it's, it's Robert Johnson for Christ's sake." And he says, "Well, it's something good." I said, what? He says, it's a bluebird. I said, a bluebird? You know, and, what is it, and as a fledging, fledgling collector, you know, I'm thinking, you know, Sounds what's the same. a Tommy McClendon? What's he going to trade that for, you know? And uh, you hit, you got it right. He Lane says, Harden, well, this is what I a trade, well, this is what it was. And then he put on, uh, that's a hard time, hard time blue. And then we were just like, like, Two apes, you know, just like oh, oh, you know. Uh, he was, I could see that. Well, Don, yeah, he was. You wondering. know, it was purely about music rather than the, the icon at that point. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, no one had ever heard L Lane Harden. No one really knew who he was. I think, except for probably Ferk, you know. Uh, 
but yeah, that was good trading material. <laughs> Absolute unique masterpiece. Not a bad deal. I guess I, I shouldn't get down on on Robert Johnson. It's just he's been made into such a... Uh, yeah, well, that's okay to get down on. Like a, I mean, like an icon of sorts. Sometimes I, I feel like, yeah, you shouldn't just attack the guy, you know. he was, Oh, Buzzard. Buzzard's the opposite. He would attack him any chance he got. He was funny. He well, says, I don't I don't understand this stuff about Robert Johnson. They never heard Charlie Patton. You know, uh, some of Robert Johnson's records stink. Oh, that's true. Some, some of them, them do. Yeah, some of them are very ones. derivative. Well, I I yeah, but I've, never se I've never, never seen or heard anybody talk that way about, you know, this is Robert Johnson you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Some of his records stink. Well, if you, to me, yeah. I could summarize Robert Johnson by saying, like, every single one of his songs is lifted by a better version of the same song. You know, he was a great singer yeah. and a decent guitar player, but not fantastic. He had a great feel. But not not technically nowhere near the stuff he was imitating, yeah. you know. And if it was like a hundred and fifty dollars for all his records, <laughs> I'd have ten of them and be like, "Yeah, this is great." Just like you know, <laughs> Welly Trice on Decca is phenomenal. Yeah. I paid a hundred bucks for it. It's the best hundred dollar record I, I ever had. Is that a, a Decca? You said? Yeah, I have yeah, both some, of them. Something about Decca. There's so many gems hidden on deck. That's another thing Don Kent so taught me. I was thinking when you said did he, that. Did he say that? Oh, well, I remember in the early days those, those going over with Richard. Richard said time. something yeah. like, there's only two good blues records on Bluebird. And then the next three or four times we went out there, Don just brought over boxes of Bluebirds. Oh, yeah. One after another. <laughs> yeah. And then he said the same thing about Decca a couple years ago. And then Don started bringing over. I mean, he brought over this Petey Wheatstar record that sounds like. A, a more rugged version of like the memphis jug band he's like oh that's the only one that sounds like that i forget what it's called you yeah. know and then just one thing after another he's oh, putting out yeah. these there's deckers a, there's a like, good 10 deckers that are, yeah they'll rank with any oh, great, yeah. great pre-war record okay we should get back to the um get the, back to the religion get back to church yeah it's time to go to church as my dad said i said well, why do i have to go to church she said as long as you live in my house you go to church because i said so <laughs> So we got to get to the next record, because I said so. Because you said so. Okay, what's the next record? Mitchell's Christian Singers, huh. Who Was John? Okay, cool. Don't you lie, no. 
Mm. Yeah, Mr. Hammond had a a good ear. Yeah, you were saying, I don't think we said it on air, but you're saying that uh, they were at the Spirituals to Swing. Right, concert. the original one That's in, in Carnegie Hall. 38, yeah, yeah. which is, I, I would guess, the first presentation of authentic black music to a white audience. Mm. I can't think of anything earlier than it's certainly and it's in new york so it's it's an event of of great import uh, huh. most of those performers went on to to play at uh cafe society which hmm. had opened i think the night of the show huh. hmm. barney josephson you know would hire josh white and brunzi and these people in there so they're getting a new york audience 38 so Mitchell's Christian Singers, however, went back to North Carolina. So Lead Belly must have still been in the shit house in '38. What? What was? When? Where was Lead Belly in '38? I. I, He he might have still been. He's on the cusp. He's on the cusp of getting locked up. I think he got locked up in '39. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. To Rikers Island. He was. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about the second time. Yeah. Yeah, that would have made sense because when he came out is when the. He did the the music craft stuff in New right. York. Right. Well, the music craft stuff was still pretty war, was right? arranged by by Lomax to defray his legal expenses uh-huh. for the trial that right, that, he, that he lost and yeah. went to jail. And because I always wondered why Lead Belly wouldn't have been considered by uh, that, it, yeah, that is interesting. Or else it was just Hammond picking Columbia artists. Huh. That that could very well <laughs> you, be. You know. But I don't know if, if Lead Belly was tied to any label, so there, there are well, other people was, who weren't tied to he labels. He was on ARC before that, but... And he was on Bluebird at the, at, at, right yeah, about that and time. and I don't think our ARC was yet part of Columbia. But no, uh, I don't think so either. So. Or, or actually, I, I think they might have just... That might have just happened, and that's why Johnson... Because like you say, he's gravitating towards Columbia artists, yeah, but, but I'm, I'm also Lead Belly was also ARC, you know, just like yeah, Prince. yeah, the first the they're first actually things. contemporary. Yeah, they are, so, which is strange to think of. Can you try to Bob your guide used to say, imagine a world where you just knew Lead Belly by those records, like anybody else. It'd be very strange. Yeah, it would. Right, it would. He's a real a real key with the Lomaxes for that short period of time that he travels with them. He's definitely warming up the the prisoners and this is the kind of songs we're looking for and and taking their songs and all of a sudden every you know, Rock Island Line, Midnight Special, yeah. these songs are associated with Lead Belly and they're not Lead Belly. Lead Belly's not really a songwriter. He's a, are, you know, Ironhead Baker and Yeah, uh, there's somebody else. There like Goodnight Irene is an old turn of the century Victorian song that got well actually i think he got he, i think he got his uncle bob to sing that well midnight special was recorded by a lot of people right right yeah. right but i uh, they oh, did capture it in prison as well crying sam i think that goes yeah, crying back. sam and buddy moss did it right well much later but yeah, i yeah. think crying sam did it in the in the 20s, in the 20s. Yeah, yeah, yeah like 27 somewhere around there nice version too and it was yeah, really nice, it's a nice yeah. version that's right. We don't speak ill of the dead here. <laughs> We're surrounded by the dead. <laughs> Not unless they're at least 100 years old. Kind of badmouth poor Robert Johnson. You know? We Robert, did a little bit. Robert Johnson. I, you know, said, I did. The uh, worst uh, part about him you is... You guys didn't. You know, he's probably in his grave like, I didn't ask for any of this, you know? <laughs> trying to have a good time. Make a little music. Well, he'll be all right by me just <laughs> just for Crossroad. He did, he did good. Yeah, I, I, I just want to, you know, mellow down my comments on that. I, his great records are great. Oh, of course. And, I, and I think I think more of his guitar playing than what you just described. I, I, I think much of his guitar playing at, at all. Really? Well, you're the opposite of Muddy Waters. Muddy Waters says, well, you know, I couldn't slide like Robert, but I sing better than him. Well, there's no That's doubt so about funny. that. I, that, that, that. That was Muddy. Muddy's one of the greatest singers ever. Muddy is a commanding well, presence. But also a great guitar player in those early, I think. you know, A great role guitar He took down player. his own guitar playing. He, 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 
he conceded to Johnson as as the as the that's guitar so slinger. That's like the but next that's generation. Much, yeah. That's the next generation. He probably thought he only had the walking blues together and couldn't yeah. do all the other stuff. But uh, the only reason I'm putting down, and again, it's like as I'm doing this, I feel like you know Johnson must be like, I didn't ask to be called the king of the Delta Blues. I, I didn't ask to be. You know, yeah. you're only criticizing him because he's been put so high up on right. his but pedestal. I, I'm not so much criticizing him as as those who who close off everything else and that, that this silly. is the representative. We, we well, about. the Robert Johnson silly. album that Thesaurus the, of the, Jazz, the first one, yeah, uh, that is to the blues revival as Harry Smith. Is to the folk absolutely. Revival. That's good what got point. me as a the, good kid. Point. That was the first thing I heard as a kid. I picked yeah. that record up. First thing, know. probably we all heard. Yeah, and, that, that's and the I was one. blown away by it. And 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 well, that's the cream when, of the crop. When I first started material. playing guitar, the first song I ever learned from this whole thing was probably "Kind-Hearted Woman." You know. Yeah. Oh, me um, too. You know that was, and it took me three yeah. years to even be able to come close to keeping that bass line and the chords right. going right, right. you know but all, all i'm saying is 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 that um and and again like the the feel that he gets on some of those records is to me what makes him great you know because he has a, a a feel that could just be haunting you know oh, at times, especially on something like crossroads with the subtleties of what's going on but I, I just think if you put him next to almost any guitar player from 10 years earlier no, it's a it's different a, world. Yeah, yeah the, there's so world. little happening. And what is happening kind of is what became the future of the blues, the Chicago blues, and everything is based on that kind of style. In some ways, but so, it's a lot more complicated than what became because he's not electrified and he, he can get away with subtleties. I think uh, he would have pared down his of style course, once but what I'm the saying is the whole on. feel of like Sweet Home Chicago is what mm. becomes the yes. 40s and 50s blues style. So, of course, you're going to hear it and go like oh that's great i recognize that from there all i'm saying is take anybody that he's imitating if you take hell hunt on my trail and you put it next to devil got my woman right. it's like a joke if you put uh, hot tamales in the red hot versus lonnie johnson it's a joke if you put uh walking blues next to sun house it's a joke but it's and not just a, go right down the list it's not so much but a not, joke because of the guitar playing joke it's a joke is a little because harsh, of the singing right? It's a little harsh. Preaching blues isn't. There's nothing wrong. With yeah, preaching blues is a man. You're right. I, I'm so, totally. Yeah, I, that's I already that's the one I'm thinking of. That's my best. I'm overstating it. When I say it's a joke, I mean it's a joke yeah. in the sense that, you know, no, I, I get it. I yeah, yeah. It's just like, it's the same way. Like What's when I play is... Charlie Patton, it's a joke, you know. And <laughs> no, I, I haven't heard anybody get it too much better. Well, you're pretty close. But the point is, it's still a joke. Compared well, to Charlie Patton, because Charlie weird, Patton is, the really you know, weird all I'm thing. doing is imitating somebody else. Like, to me, like, Johnson really was the first generation of straight imitating. Like, there's yeah, a lot a of guys from that era who really, you know, kind of had their own thing a little bit, where he, well, that, uh, that's what I was every song, to. he's like, no, that's yeah. this it's song. Derivative. And that's, yeah. Everything is derivative. That's all. Hmm. And, and within that context... He may be the best, you know. He, I mean, his, you know, like you said, Crossroads, Hell Hunt on My Trail. I like Terraplane, Traveling Riverside Blues I like, uh, Coming to My Kitchen, you know. Oh, those are great. I mean, when you really listen to songs. a clean copy of Coming to My Kitchen, it's oh, like. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, it's creepily haunting. It's, yeah, that uses, feel uses is the like, space. That's, he, yeah, he does that's capture an atmosphere. That, he uses the And that's what he was, like a, a, he was probably, I could say, a genius at that. Yeah. But it, and then. You know, just don't call him the king. That's <laughs> all. Just don't call him the king. Yeah. It's like, it's like yeah. if, if we were going to say, like, you know, the 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 king of hard rock was Pearl Jam. I mean, everyone in this room, I grew up listening to 60s and 70s rock. You just say, that's factually incorrect. <laughs> like, you, you, you can't say that. That was after the fact. You know, you can't even. You could say the who. You could say the stones. And we could have a little debate. But you just can't say it was... Well, there's to that, me, that's what Robert Johnson well, represents in that. There's in that. that separating line of originators and imitators. Right. And there's a place for both, but obviously and, and, to call somebody the king of something is like, that's why, you're the successor that, that's to the king. That's only because of the me. album and the hype. And that's what I mean. That has nothing to do with him, and that's why I feel no. bad about it when I... But it's been it's also been taken up by musicians, the Eric Clapton's and the Keith Richards. Oh, I've never heard Johnson's anything so direct contemporary. Well, then listen to some more records. Jesus Christ. It's all reissued, you bastards. I think, I think <laughs> they do listen to some of those records, but it doesn't... 
I don't know. The mythology is bigger. Maybe well, if you're a well, rock star, you're swept up in the mythology. Well, I think when you hear the Robert Johnson, like what it was for me as a kid, I identified with it because I was so heavily into the mainstream Chicago chess, Muddy Waters, Howlin' right. Wolf, and Little Walter, and all that stuff, that I immediately identified that sound is coming from this, you know, mm. just the feel, if nothing else. Yeah, but you missed his contemporaries like Tommy McLennan, who sold a hundred times more records than him. Deep immensely sea, more popular yeah well except for deep blue sea which of course is masterpiece only a handful of people have ever heard right but mm. uh you know his most popular stuff bottle and go bottle up right, and go right. and whiskey headed woman and all these things he sold immensely well in the south really really directly influencing dozens of musicians to follow right but there was no king of the Delta Blues by Tommy McLennan in 1958, you know, or right. whatever. Right. There was no such thing. It's too bad Tampa Red got lost in the shuffle, too, because he's another one of those people who has so many things that were actually, taken up yeah, by he, people's, well, people doing his version of songs. Tampa Red actually thrived double the time of, of, t- of Tommy McLennan. Of anyone, you really. Know, so he, he really career. bridged not only the 20s and, and the Depression era, but wartime. Era. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's you very know, true. So he, he really... That was probably his most success, right? Exactly. And his most popular records on RCA, and then he disappears. At the very eve of the sound that we call electric yeah. Chicago blues, Tampa Red's gone. Which you're right, which he's another <laughs> guy that, I mean, that is yeah. absolutely coming from his influence. Yeah, I mean, he had, you know, an upright bass player, electric yeah, guitars. Yeah. and That's you know, the beginning of it. He went yeah. all the way. He yeah. went all the way and then stops the night before, you know, yeah. Muddy Waters trio is on, is on Aristocrat or something like that, you know. However you define the beginning of Chicago blues, wherever you yeah, are. Yeah. You know. You know Lonnie he's, he's Johnson is, is similar, you know, comes through all the periods and then gets lost. In, yeah. in the renaissance of, of rediscovery until very late in it, you know, for yeah. a few minutes, seemingly. And he's not, not the same anymore, <laughs> but... God, we're talking a lot about blues here. Yeah, what happened? Arguing about blues. Sure, she, Gotta get back to the church. Man. Yeah. Well, we'll get, we'll get back... It's a Tuesday. We're so far away from Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we'll get back with uh, Reverend Anderson Johnson. Okay, great. Miami, Florida. Huh. 1953. So many people said it done cut whiskey out. Just let them have a little wine. Lord, to get sooner or drunk every once in a while. It must have been drinking moonshine. But God, it don't like it. I don't either. No, I don't either. God, it don't like it. I don't either. Sin, pain, and shame. Why so many people get sooner drunk? Every once in a while, just to speak their sober minds. But when they get caught up in a trap, they put that blame on shine. But God, they don't like it. I don't either. No, I don't either. No, I don't either. Sin ain't a shame. Lord, the time of the yellow cone, it ain't the very best kind. But you better turn the cold in the bread and stop that drinking moonshine. Because God, I don't like it. I don't either. Yeah, God, no, like it. I don't either. Yeah, God, I don't either. Well, this country gonna be lost if they keep on the winds going. We can't hardly have a little church in town for the preachers all drinking moonshine. But God, I don't like it. I don't either. Yeah, God, no, I don't either. Well, the preacher went to the sister's house. She asked him to rest his hat. Now he began to laugh and grin. So, sister, tell me where your husband at. But God, it don't like no, it. I don't either. Yeah, God, it don't no, like it. I don't either. God, some of these sisters in churches now sing in the choir. And old Archibald, too, they used to wear the dresses so short, Lord, the people had to talk. But they done changed that style, they wear them so long, they can't hardly walk. But God, it don't like it. Whoa, I don't either. Man, God, it don't like it. Man, God, it don't like it. I don't either. 
Jack said Because I don't drink moonshine Because Gordy don't like it I don't need no Man, Gordy don't like it Man, Gordy No I wasn't talking about anyone, I was just singing my song, that's all. Oh, that was great. I never heard that. Now that's from You 19- never heard that. No. Wow, that's great. I, I've that's heard great. so little post war. <laughs> there oh, is man. again a lot of post war things that are just I, as I, vibrant I and it, yeah. powerful two as wings. Two yes, wings. I, yes, I, I, know. yes, I oh, you do. know that. That I have. Actually. Oh, okay. And I, I only got oh, that from couple. you guys. There's a couple. There's three of them. I'm, oh, there's three. There's yeah. three. I have one. I have the second one. I have the second one. I've heard two. I have it on Manor. Yeah, that's yeah. the that's the more popular one. Right. But but that's it's the one I can turn up. Yeah. does he goes incendiary on that? With but the, these the, guys, these guys made a, a few records. Oh, they made they? a number. Yeah. yeah, they had about maybe. Eight or so, seventy-eight. It's all very much similar, with that one being just yeah. slightly more heated than mm. than the others. But they're they're all kind of very similar with him playing on the lap and the the whole. Uh, Does he say you got to quit drinking shine? Does he actually say yeah. that line? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He gets so, sort of drunk every once in a while. They must quit drinking shine. Yeah. God, how little... many versions of that song are there out there? From Tagger to whoever, you know. What is that yeah. called? God Don't Like It? God Don't Like It. In his, Did you ever his hear the version. one with uh, Kid Tanner's just playing banjo? Of God Don't Like It? Yeah. No. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I don't really? have it. But I have a dub of it. Yeah, that is that is a super, super record. When uh, We were talking before about first records. When I, I got a list from John Allenson. I don't know if you ever bought any records from him in Virginia. He used to have a set sale list, and I bought my yeah. my first John Hurt G copy, you know, of mm-hmm. Lewis Collins, twenty dollars. No. Uh, I buy. You ran- got Lewis Collins before you got Frankie. That's what he was selling. No, so that's was, a pretty, <clears throat> that was a score. But uh, he had this record on one of his lists, and I didn't know what it was. And I asked him. I said, uh, "Tell me about this." And he said, "Oh, buy it." Buy it. I think yeah. it was like six dollars or something. <laughs> he said, "Buy it." He said, "If you don't like it, I'll yeah. give you your money back, and you can keep the record anyway." He says, "There's no way if you're listening <laughs> to gospel music and the stuff I see you're buying, you're gonna like this." <laughs> and was he ever right? I, the yeah. second I put it on, I was like, "Oh my god, you gotta be!" You're about one of the great. You're posts. talking about Lewis Collins by Hurt. No, we're talking about oh, about, about, about this. This is one of the great, great post-war gospel. And then, and then Mr. Yeah. Allenson stopped. He sold all his pre-war records, huh. and sent me a tape of what he was now listening to. He was listening to heavy metal. Really? Yeah. Huh. He sent me a tape of like comfortably numb. This is an older guy. And this and that. Yeah, I guess so. Wow. I guess weird. so. And I was just like, wow. I've never Talk heard about of that translation. Yeah. It's, it was just a very, very strange thing. He says, yeah, you know, Elmer James sounds a little tame when. <laughs> well, these guys were. <laughs> These guys were the heavy metal of uh, I would, gospel. I would I mean, think uh, so. I mean, you know, lap steel. Oh yeah. I mean, Elmore is certainly one of the founding fathers of the tradition. Him, him, and Bo, and a handful of others. I mean, another post-war record. Another post-war record, and this one's white. Brother Claude Ely. Huh. There's a leak in this old building, covered by Elvis in his first movie. Really? Huh. Yeah. Yeah. You like snakes? <laughs> you afraid of snakes? I don't know. This guy wasn't. <laughs> oh, is he, a, is he a snake handler? Well, he's, he's just about as close as you can get he's musically. Cer- to he's a, certainly from that from that I'm area. Sure he's not afraid of poison. Either. He's in that neck of the woods, so I would not be surprised. This is White's, oh, this is definite hole in Whitesburg, this Virginia. As a matter of fact, as a as a prelude to the to the record, it says. Introducing Brother Claude Ely, singing his first King release, There's a Leak in This Old Building, arranged by Brother Claude Ely, who was born in Pennington Gap, Virginia, attended school in Puckett's Creek, Virginia, now lives in St. Charles, Virginia, joined the ministry upon his release from the Army after World War II. That's some thorough... These sides for a labeled copy? It's a DJ copy. These sides were recorded at an actual revival service in Whitesburg, Kentucky, where Brother Ely 
has a weekly radio program. He also conducts services throughout the Kentucky-Virginia border area. Try so, bring bring your water moccasins. Yeah, br- bring your snake. <laughs> no extra charge. Well, I believe in this old building. Well, I believe. Fantastic. I don't know that that energy is just too much to yeah, that's He's incredible great. to pass without just flipping it right over. You gotta move, you gotta move, you gotta move, you gotta move. Well, in the long
lot like Carnes, in a way, you know. Oh, I love Carnes. Like a continuation of Carnes. Yeah, yeah. Same kind of feel, right? Or Phipps. Yeah. Carnes is in the Phipps group, I think. It's a holiness church. It's... Uh, right? You know, you know, uh, Isn't that correct that Carnes is part of the Phipps group? Not not officially. He was at the session and he, he sang in the chorus. Okay. On the records, there is Carnes on the Phipps record. But I, I think it's just, you know, happenstance. It's kind of there. But Bernie had a thing for the holiness uh, no, church. Well, he's, Bernie's the one that told me they were together. You know that he's part of the group, so I, yeah. you know, I just absorbed that as the truth. I mean, he was just obsessed with that whole thing, you know. Oh, definitely. You know, black and white. I mean, you know, like we were talking about before, the latter rain has fallen. Huh. That church, <laughs> you know, was just all stops pulled. Right, right. You know. I'm seeing a lot of those those churches. They're now Hispanic. A holy, at le, at le, yeah, now at least in my yeah. area, there was one right in Westbury, <laughs> a Hispanic Holiness Church, and it looked just like the. I, I snapped a picture one time. It's like it, a storefront. Uh, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some abandoned building that they just put up a sign, you know, Sunday services, and I uh, bet you it sounds good there on Sunday morning. It, it, it probably does. It usually <laughs> does. They're not afraid of any kind of music, any kind of instrument. Yeah. Just bring it on in. Right. It's all for the, you know, for the glory of God kind of thing. Maybe we should try this uh, this rare never never heard Sister Rosetta Tharp. Yeah, read what it says there on the sleeve. Oh, it also says also issued as. Well, maybe that was the deal when they sold the master and they promised to, to cease destroy. and desist. Somehow, I think yeah. I got this from Mike Stewart, so Mike found a copy of the downbeat. This is Sister Rosetta Tharp. One of our big tracks, this train. This train is a clean train. You know this train. This train is a clean train. I said this train. This train is a clean train. Everybody ride it in Jesus' name because this train... Is a clean train, I said this train. This train has left the station, this train. This train has left the station, you know this train. This train has left the station, this train takes on every nation because this train is a clean train, I said this train. Bigger swing sound. Yeah. But then she comes in with this wild guitar, you know. Huh. She, and that's, start, she started that's 40s? Off, 
Yeah. Well, maybe late thirties. It is late thirties. Yeah. It's. She's at Spirituals to Swing at Carnegie Hall. She was there? No yes. kidding. Yes, and she no. goes right to the studio no. uh, a day later and records No, I think I a have a 10-inch record of her wedding ceremony. Oh, okay, Did in Washington Stadium? Yeah, you heard that? I know I know about it. I never heard That's it. That's pretty weird. Yeah, they marketed her wedding. They sold yeah. out a stadium. Yeah. Of, of, you know, yeah. 12,000 people or whatever, however big it is. But when she started, she played a national, like a Triolian, wild, hard-picking. Yeah, she's a great She picker. would sit in with anybody, you know, Duke Ellington. You know. Huh. And, uh, and she always had a great... Oh, sorry, I hit this. She always had a great selection of tunes. She did... Uh, she did that Washington Phillips song. Right. That was a big, that's all. big hit for her. Huh. And I think that's where... Uh, she calls it that. that's all its denomination blues. Yeah. And I think that's where Merle Travis got it from her. Uh, it could very well be. That's somebody I think he listened to a lot. It's just, just a remarkable A lot of rock and rollers player. definitely listen to her. And she just her. got better and better. By the end, she was wild. I mean, she when she plugged in... You know, yeah, she it's didn't like, get. It's like Hendrix. She did not know. get tamer. She seemed to get. She's on fire with the with solid body, uh, you know, and she had a, you know, a arsenal of great guitars, you know, Les Pauls, and you know, I think I saw her once with a Trini Lopez or something like that. The right, cutaways. right. But uh, well, she's liable to do a little bit. Well, of she anything. had the rarest Les Paul imaginable. The is it the deluxe, the white one with the SG body? Is everything's gold? Oh, is that what it is? It's a, it's a. That's a Les Paul. That's a Les Paul. Okay. Well, the neck is. It's a three pickup. One of those it's SGs that says Les Paul at the headstock. Right. It's three, yeah. like three humbuckers. Nineteen sixties. Three humbuckers, Bigsby, gold plated. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's everything is on that, and right. she's on fire when she plays that guitar. It's unbelievable. Huh. You know, it's like the Buddy Guy guitar. Huh. You know the. On the chess records, that guitar. Oh, is that what he's playing on the chess? He's not well, playing a strap on those records. He's mostly playing the strap, and on the cover, you see oh. him with that. You know, walking through the woods. Okay. okay. And he's got the white guitar, that guitar. Oh my God, it's like one of the <laughs> the holy grails of guitars there. Yeah, because it all of a sudden it was an SG. Well, it was, I think SG after after that. After know, that, yeah, it became it, an SG. Kind of let it go. I don't think Les Paul liked it. Probably not. You know, because they went back to the Les Paul. Well, yeah. After it, after a while, a little while. Well, it was it was it, a demand. It was contemporary for, to the Les Paul. I don't think it replaced anything. I always thought that that was the the Les Paul model for that particular year that he changed well, it over. I don't know. I never heard that. I don't know enough about it. And then just, I don't, maybe a little later he he just went back to the original. Yeah, I don't think uh, he he liked that particularly. But when she held that, when she played that guitar, oh, she was made for her. Well, it's nice and light, and she can jump around and cut yeah, moves wow. and. She's just uh, she's like a T-bone walker, you know. You don't know or a Hendrix. You don't know what she's going to do next. You know, she's go going to balance Hendrix, it on her nose yeah. or something. <laughs> she's uh, she would have been something to see live. She's a piece of. Hey, started out in the sanctified churches and ended up in nightclubs. Really, like yeah. those thirties uh, records that you mentioned with Lucky Millinder. Right. She's doing blues on one side and a gospel song on the other. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm sure the yeah. church folk were, weren't too happy about it, but... Uh... I wonder where that gambler, that gambling man, I wonder where... Come and take me home. I feel 
not enough that is yeah. not enough it's beautiful <laughs> that's good this comes out in a hillbilly numerical really yeah it was it was recorded in nashville and comes out with a columbia 21092 yeah, it's, um, right next to bill monroe it's right it's right next to lefty frizzell and uh <laughs> weird little jimmy dickens the marty robbins how's that happen by accident just... i don't know i think they they figured it was recorded in nashville and they just made a mistake and plugged yeah. it in there and these are tough, right? I mean, the Bible's right, which I have. That's the common one. But well, some of them are. I, I, oh, I hit the microphone again. Um, no, no, some of them uh, turn up, I think. Maybe not that one. So I guess much. they get, you know what? They, people are just hip to them now. So. As time goes by, the, all the things get, get tougher. Yeah, it's know? true. And a show like this but gets... She was, she was very popular, though, also. I mean, she's so... I think some of those. You think soldiers, she was popular? Yeah. Well, you know, one of the telltale things is if you make it to forty-five, somebody believes in you in that company. Mm-hmm. Um. Particularly, it's Columbia because it, it's forty-five is not their innovation. No, it's an exactly, RCA innovation. Right, exactly, and and forty-five is a special kind of uh, club to be in. It's different. Because not all of these singles on you're setting on up you're setting up next month's. Uh, oh, I don't know. No, <laughs> I, I didn't think of it that way. But I, I don't think a lot. The unconscious of these, mind, Pat. It, works a in lot a of these made it ways. to forty-five. <laughs> I don't think they were all. Uh, I don't think they were all contemporary. Uh, for Seventy-eight and forty-five. I don't. I don't think so. Because I certainly never see. I mean, I see plenty of country western and bluegrass. What do you mean, not contemporary? That they didn't come out at the same time? Right, issued like in, in either or format. You know, I don't think that is true for uh, the catalog. I mm-hmm. think it's select things because uh, I, I've never seen a forty-five of hers. I've seen plenty of country. Yeah, I, I found it surprising yeah. that it, that it was even there. You never saw. I never saw one. I know they're out there. Ken, I want to thank you again for having us here. It's an honor and a pleasure to be down here in your basement listening to all these great records. It's an honor and a pleasure to be asked. Well, the pleasure is all ours, and I'm sure if our listening audience could tell you that, they would. But they're on the other side of this weird contraption. They can't speak back. This Roger thank Daltrey God, they'd probably just annoy me. They'd probably keep talking about the king of the Delta Blues. <laughs> but I don't know. I shouldn't. Shouldn't jump to that conclusion. And Pat, it's always a pleasure to have you here. I think this is the longest, here. longest amount of time we've been in the same room where you haven't 
been uh, winding me up with something. Oh know? yeah, I, I've been I've been conscious of it. I've been trying. Oh no, you, you know it is the Bitterman hour, and uh, you know I always there's, there's nothing wrong. I'm with good about. Me up. It. I'm usually good during the Bitterman. I, hour. I need I need to practice. I need to practice. Oh yeah. well, maybe we'll fix that next time. Okay. I'm behind the microphone. <laughs> okay. So what? <laughs> What are we? What are we ending with here now? I believe we're going to uh, come up with the other side of uh, that incredible Blind Joe Taggart. Uh, the mm. the B side was been listening all the, all the day. This is the A side. What is the A side? The right? A side is wow, yes, going the, to rest where Jesus you had is. To look. Hmm. I, I, I think just you're, I think you're sleep deprived or something. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. You know, it's so, so funny though. I find so many times I, I obsess with one side of a record to the point where I don't even know the other side. Mm. Uh, oh, well, the, the, this is this is by itself uh, one, it's one a two-sider. piece of music. Okay. Yeah. It is. Well, if the other side didn't exist, mm. this would probably be my favorite recorded <laughs> performance. <laughs> Having said that, they're both. Yeah. That fiddle, those two voices, uh, for my money, it just can't be beat. I have a brother on the other side of the show. I have lived with you.